You don't have to go very far to see that homelessness is a crisis in our country. Some are still hurting from the economic crash of 2008, and others simply can't afford housing in this ever-increasing market. Millions of Americans are one paycheck away from missing their house payments. If anything were to happen to their jobs, they don't have enough money in their savings to make ends meet. Homelessness can creep up on you. Piles of unpaid medical bills, interest rates, a government shutdown, family crises, they all come up unexpectedly. The North Pacific Union covers Alaska, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, and Washington. In these five states, we have a combined population of 44,000 homeless people. These numbers are overwhelming, discouraging, and heartbreaking. In the midst of this crisis, there are helpers, and Shane is one of them. I grew up Methodist-ish. Um, I, I, we did go to church, um, and I say we, I meant my siblings. I have two brothers and two sisters, and my mom and my stepdad didn't really go to church that much, but they encouraged us to go, and we were involved to a certain degree. Growing up, we didn't grow up wealthy. We had some public assistance, so some food stamps and um, some monthly money amount that I know my mom got. So she was actually married to a guy that was an alcoholic, and they argued often. There was a bit of a roller coaster with him, just because it would be he'd he'd be on the right track and working a regular job and doing doing really good. Um, as far as um, providing for the family. and But then he would let the alcohol take control. And there were several times where the cops were called and he was taken away. You know, I remember one night when my mom said we had to pack up our stuff and we had to leave right away. We were at a, a point in the month in which we didn't have that many that much money. And we were in a grocery store parking lot in our car. She was using the payphone to call friends and call people, trying to find somewhere for us to stay because it wasn't safe to go home. She finally got a hold of a friend of a friend, and I do remember um, sitting there wondering if this friend of a friend, if we couldn't connect for the evening, that we would probably have to sleep in the car. You know, I just think back at that time, it's like it was um, me as a kid um, experiencing that. It didn't feel good. And I can't even imagine what that's like for kids that have to do that regularly. Sometimes in our lives, we face hardships we cannot make sense of. We can either hold on to the pain and the resentment or learn from the experience to help and empathize with others. I finished up my business degree and I was looking and praying and considering what I should do towards the end of my degree. They kind of go through a process to say, okay, now what? What do you want to do now? And I just knew back then I wanted to help homeless families probably thinking back on my childhood um, experiences and, and thinking about kids 
thinking about um, kids going through homelessness just kind of tears my heart apart. I actually mentioned that to one of my pastors, and he said, um, I've had this lady um, contacting me, and she's talking to me about this family promise of Clark County. Nonprofit organization. It's a nationwide organization, and they've started one of these in Clark County for Clark County. And I said, Well, that's something I need to look at. I mean, I felt like that was put before me. So basically, 13 churches um, go on a schedule of hosting homeless families for one week, four times per year. They have a day center, and at the day center, they have a they have somebody that's helping them to get into housing. They have a vehicle to take them back and forth to the day center. They have showers there. They have laundry there. They have facilities there, and then they make sure they can get their kids off to school. We would host them. We would give them the, somewhere to sleep. We would give them um, food for the night for um, to pack lunches and then breakfast in the morning, and we would do that for an entire week. And I just instantly thought, wow, that's amazing. Immediately I knew that I wanted to be involved. Immediately I wanted to be the volunteer coordinator for our church. And I knew I needed to get it approved. I didn't even think about that much about the fact that I would have to get it approved through the church board. Uh, I immediately said that I was gonna be involved no matter what. Why this need? How bad is homelessness in the communities around us? Shane tells about the drastic impact of homelessness in Clark County. For him, it hits a little closer to home. Between 2013 and 2016, rent was increased by um, 70%. That's such a huge jump that's, that caused homelessness. About 500 families sought shelter in 2016 and only 30% of them um, were able to get anything, any kind of housing. It's just amazing um, to think about homelessness in that way because we typically think about the handful of people we've probably seen panhandling or on the side of the road, especially in the Clark County area. We, we might think, you know, if there's that many homeless people, we'd probably see a lot more tents. But these are homeless people who are not seen. These are homeless people that are embarrassed because they're homeless. These are people that are sleeping on couches. They're sleeping in their cars at parks. They're staying with a friend of a friend. And they do not have permanent housing. And they're one argument with the people that they're staying with away from being in their car. Or if they don't have a car, now they're looking to camp somewhere. Their, their children aren't safe, they're not getting their basic needs met. It's more of a problem than most people know. Our only experience with homelessness is those few panhandlers that we might see. But there are thousands more. It became clear that this was the way to help those struggling with homelessness. It was also clear that nothing was going to stop Shane. And so the church chose to support him. We immediately went to the fact that we wanted them in their own separate room, have some privacy for them. Uh, we were told that, you know, it doesn't really matter where you can, if you can put them in a that fellowship hall or a gym or something like that, 
the way I talk with the volunteers and the way I talk about bringing it in, the way I want it to be is it's as if you have family that comes in from out of town and for whatever reason they can't stay with you and you're going to set them up in the church. And what would that look like? It's not a soup kitchen. It's not an opportunity for them to get in line, get a meal, and then make and have shelter. They have a room, and they can have um, some semblance of a family um, while they're with us. So it's just really good opportunity for um, our church to get out of the box. Of it's kind of a metal glade box, you know. It's nice and safe and comfortable there, and 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 be able to host and invite people into our into our, our family. Shane breaks down how the hosting process works with the church and with Family Promise. So basically it's plug and play in that we know that they're going to show up a little after five. We know dinner's going to be around six and then they're going to have dinner. There's an opportunity in the evening time to do maybe some activities or help with homework or something like that. But typically, they want to go to their rooms because they don't get privacy all the time. And then that crew that comes for the evening time from like 5 until 8 o'clock, they go home. And then we have um, two people that come at 8 o'clock to stay all night. And then we have a morning crew, two people that come in, knock out breakfast, knock out, you know, quick cleanup. And then they're out of the church by like 7, 7.30 in the morning. The day had arrived to welcome their new family in. Shane's church hosted their first group of families with open doors, warm food, and a welcoming home. Okay, so the first time we hosted, um, we really didn't know what to expect. We just, um, we welcomed them in, and then we settled them into their rooms. And when we took them down to the rooms, they were pretty shocked because they were set up really nice. And I think they might have been expecting um, potentially to go you know, in a fellowship hall or something like that, maybe not have privacy, but they had these really nice rooms where we bought some furniture and some um, some rugs and just made it really nice for them. When they came up for dinner, then we just had an opportunity to talk with them. That first week we had like three toddlers and there's a little guy that he just, uh, he took to me right away and got to where he's kind of clinging on me. And it was, it was just a really cool experience to, you know, to think that, I mean, they said that they just had spent the winter in a van. And for us to say, you know what, we brought them out of that situation and we're not just putting a roof over their head and giving them food right now. They're in a program that they stay in this program until they are in housing. So that means that helps them with um, getting a job. They have a, a social worker helping them during the day at the day center helps them get a job, helps them to where they can get a car if they don't have one already, helps them to where they have some money coming in, helps them with the assistance. The other part of the assistance is applying for housing, applying for state assistance. Family Promise really focuses on helping people get back on their feet as quickly as they can. Shane says that the average family stays about four months in the program before they're back at work or have a home to call their own. But when we hear about homelessness, we carry stigmas. We wonder why they were in the situation that they were in, and our empathy begins to decrease. 
But Shane reminds us of our humanity, of our compassion. One of the worst things we could do when we are hosting is go up to one of the families and say, hey, why are you in the, your situation? What's, what's got you there? Because what you just did when you asked that question was you brought up probably the worst experience they've ever experienced in their life, and you're asking them to talk about it with a complete stranger. I mean, that's like potentially opening up a huge wound for them and um, bringing in shame and embarrassment. Um, but over time, um, you do get to know the families, and uh, they have the tendency to kind of open up to the people that they trust. And um, so, yeah, there's lots of different situations that, um, that people find themselves in. There is somebody who maybe had a spouse that is no longer with them. They're no longer in the situation, and they relied on that person to provide. And they got in a situation where um, they stopped paying rent, they couldn't afford to pay rent, they didn't find a job in time, and then they're homeless. As soon as somebody becomes homeless, it is so much money to get back into housing. It's first months, last months, deposits. It's um, everything to do with setting up a house. And in that situation, that's why Family Promise exists. We even had somebody who was here legally, but there was some documentation that they were going through that wouldn't allow them to have a job for a long period of time. And it cost $400 for this paperwork for them to get this number. It was hard. It was, it was hard to prioritize a $400 for paperwork over food. So in that situation, that's been amazing for, to watch how we're able to provide those things and, and actually get to where they can sustain and, and have a regular full-time job that's going to be consistent. But there's a ton of different reasons, you know. The biggest thing is it's probably homelessness for the first time for most of the people in Family Promise. Shane's heart has always gone out to the children of homeless families. As difficult this is for the adults going through it, children face it differently, and Shane can draw a direct connection with the helplessness they feel. I mean, this is where I, I get, you know, kind of emotional about it, just because for the toddlers, you know, they get tired. You can tell that they get tired of meeting new people because it's new volunteers all the time and, and the new churches all the time. And so they just kind of get numb. But it's actually a lot harder when there's a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old and they're going through it and maybe their friends know they're homeless and maybe their friends don't know they're homeless. And they have the same experience where they're meeting all these new people and they just feel like they're being labeled. And so they have the tendency to cover in their face, do bare minimum, come to meals, immediately go to the rooms, and just um, kind of just shut off. And we don't push or anything, but when, when I have had conversations with them, they, just, they do have a hesitancy to open up much at all. And I could just imagine what they're going through. And they're, when they're not only are they homeless, like I said, some of their friends might know, some of them don't, but it's not like they're going to have friends over to do homework. They're not going to have friends over to play, and um, they don't have their own, you know, house TV and Xbox and um, things that, you know, our family, we, we take for granted. When I see them in, the, in that situation, my heart just tears apart, wanting to help more. Throughout this year, Shane's church has done family promise multiple times. 
and they've grown in their commitment to family promise. And they have seen the lasting impact it has left on the families who have come in. I've had one of the fathers that has said specifically that they want to come back when they're out of the program and they want to volunteer their time towards family promise and help. And, and that kind of impacted me a lot because he was sincere and he wants to come back. And the program allows them to be able to come back and volunteer on Family Promise um, in uh, capacity after one year after the program. He's like, that's not long, that's not long, I'll be there. And it, that was amazing. We've had um, one of the mothers was actually talking about how she works in the capacity of helping other homeless people. The job that she found was helping other homeless, and she was homeless herself. She said it was an, you know, not a Christian organization, but she has just recently been feeling like wanting to be closer to God. And she just felt inclined to share that with me, and I thought it was amazing. Family Promise is not the only way to help those facing homelessness in the community. There are other ways we can help. We're not all able to open the doors of our respected churches and buildings, but we can do something. And Shane tells us what we probably shouldn't do. What I would, I would say, giving them cash is not the answer. <laughs> I've actually been in Portland and I've talked to some of the homeless there and I've, I've specifically, and some of them opened up to me and said, no, don't give us cash, don't give us cash. The Battleground Schools actually has a Family and Community Resource Center, the FCRC. And the FCRC has started an initiative called Just One Thing Battleground. And if everybody just did one thing, we could eradicate homelessness. So if we all contributed uh, and to help out with that situation, they actually packed up a bunch of these like care package bags. Um, then they had like soaps and, and, and snacks and deodorant, toothpaste, stuff like that. And, um, and then inside there, there was a little card giving them resources. It's just a printout of how they could reach out to um, the FCRC or Battleground Just One Thing and say, I need help. And then they can help them by referring them to different organizations. And all of these bags got distributed to local businesses in Battleground. And it's not really about how that bag is really great as far as like, hey, this is going to like, you know, feed them for a week or anything like that. It's, there's nothing that schnazzy in there. But what they do have um, is that card in there with that resource. It shows inside the bag that, hey, we care. Here's some, here's some basic needs that you might need. And then also, here's the communication piece. Here's what you need. Um, here's who you'd reach out to to get help with your situation. Family Promise is possible. We can use the ministries and organizations that have the infrastructure in place to be successful in its mission. I would definitely say that you would need somebody who'd be willing to champion it. Every good uh, ministry, every good organization needs that person. If you don't have that person, then start with prayer. Bring it to the church boards. Bring it to prayer groups. You know, this ministry is God's ministry. And this is, um, we're fulfilling His will. You don't know who that is, but God knows who that is that can do it. And there's also other opportunities to be a partner church. Maybe you don't have the facilities or maybe you don't have the opportunity to be 
to do it directly yourself, but you can be a volunteer base to help somebody else with their week. So your church can actually be involved, but with another church. It's definitely an opportunity for some, you know, interconnectivity. They're Christians, you know, same as us. We're Christians, same as them. And we have this opportunity to um, show the love of Jesus in the same way, in the same um, organization. Partnerships are able to take us further into our mission. We are able to do so much more with the help of those around us. Homelessness, like many other issues we face, requires assistance. It means that we are called by God to do something, to house those when they didn't have a home, to feed those when they didn't have food. And if we want to feel close to Jesus, perhaps we must come close to the least of these. Here's a preview of our next episode. And I remember a nurse turning and saying, oh, are you the mom? Yeah, I'm the mom. But I thought about that and I thought, I don't feel like his mom at all. I'm not feeding him. I'm not changing his diaper. I have to ask to pick him up and was sometimes denied because, you know, he wasn't in a state where he could be held. And I don't know what's going wrong in his body. I don't know how to help him. I don't know how to explain it. You just, you don't feel like a mom.